All right, well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Great, wonderful. Okay, well, we're glad to be back. Uh, we uh, took a few weeks, as I'm sure you're aware, and uh, just had some time with family and dealing with some sickness and things, too, so I appreciate your prayers. Um, we, uh, we got a few days, so we um, had the opportunity to go down to the uh, Ark Encounter, and um, that was amazing. So if you've never been there, then I uh, highly recommend that you go. This was our second time to go, and um, the girls loved it, and at times it was a little scary, which the truth of the Ark is scary, and that door that we talked about weeks ago, um, and that God's, like what Andy said, God's good, and He judges rightly, and we'll talk a little bit about that today. And so I'm excited to get into it, and it's been a couple of weeks. I'm always nervous. I've been away for a few weeks, but uh, I was thankful to have uh, Rod and Jamie come and share. They've been ministry partners with this church and in churches in western New York for about 30 years now. So it, I love thinking about that, that my wife, who um, my lovely wife who's at home with Hannah, who is sick again, uh, was in this church as a toddler, and uh, now we get to be here and serve in ministry with our lives. So uh, I'm thankful for that and uh, for Rod and Jamie and Rod speaking the last couple of weeks. Um, it was good to listen to uh, him share the word as well while you're here with him. And so today we'll be back in our series. We have just a couple of weeks left in it. I'm excited to do that. I've been working on a lot of other things that uh, pertain to a new series about the real me. I may see that on the screen uh, before we get started, just dealing with the real issues of life, of, uh, of difficulty, of mental illness and things that you know, we can all struggle with at times. So I'm excited to get into that and uh, share some of that, but I want to finish some of these doors with us today. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab Matthew chapter 7. You can go ahead and turn there, Matthew chapter 7, verses 12 through 23 through 23, and what we'll be talking about today is this narrow door. Um, I won't lie, this is probably one of the most difficult texts uh, in the Bible. Um, it kind of rounds out the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about all the, uh, the, the good things that are happening and, and how uh, uh, he understands the Old Testament and, and what we need to know moving forward, how we should live and operate. Uh, and there's really no question when you get to this text, um, um, these, Jesus doesn't say, now you can be on the fence here. You can be in the middle. Um, you, can, you, can, uh, you can maybe know God some of the time, but not know him other parts of the time. Uh, we, we are either committed to God or we're not. And so this text will reveal that. And uh, because Jesus loves us, uh, he doesn't want us to be confused. And because I love you guys, I don't want you to be confused either. So we need to have this full counsel of God's word come to bear on our lives. And so as we're in Matthew, we know Matthew's background. He was a tax collector. He was Jewish. So he, he writes from this perspective to make sure that we don't miss anything, to make sure that we understand how the Old Testament connects with the New Testament and, and how this understanding of the New Covenant and what Jesus did for us on the cross uh, should shape our lives. It shouldn't just be this thing that we say, you know, we, we believe in that and, um, you know, we get to get out of hell, we get to get out of free, uh, get out of hell free card uh, because we believe. No, this is something that should shape our lives, this walk that we have with God. And so this is a difficult question. When we come to this text and we start reading it, we go, sometimes there's this thing that wells up inside of us that makes us go, well, how do we know if we're saved? And I've had that question many times, especially working in student ministry. A student will come to me and I said, I have some questions. I'm just not sure if I know God. Well, well, let's go through and look at that. And I think this text answers this for us. Um, and as I was going through this this week, I was thinking about our culture and how we, we really need this. Um, we need um, to define what is truth, what is real, what is heaven, what is hell, uh, and, and not maybe shy away from some of these more difficult aspects of the text to help us understand where we stand. Um, in that, I was thinking of uh, these doors, and it brought me to um, 
kind of growing up in the 90s and, and watching all those game shows, you know, where they're like, do you want behind what's, behind what's door number two or door number one or door number three? And depending on which door you picked, you, know, you could get a new car. That was a good one. Uh, you, you could get a, a dream vacation. Uh, you could get a stack of money. That would be good too, right? Nobody would say no to those things. Uh, but then maybe behind one of those doors was a pair of smelly socks or maybe something you didn't want. And, 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 and we love watching those things because, of course, we weren't the ones you know, up there making that decision. Uh, we love watching those things because there's a high stake to it, right? I remember growing up watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And, you know, everybody in the crowd is always like, go for it. You know, yeah, you got it. You know, you got the right answer. And, and of course, they're not the ones in the hot seat, right? When Regis Philbin, you remember he would ask the question, is that your final answer? And of course, the trepidation, yes. And so I either, you know, either got the right answer or you didn't. I loved whenever the person got to like $500,000 and they said, you know what? I'm not sure I know the answer to this. I just don't want to gamble it, so I'm going to go home with this. And of course, people were like, oh, man. <laughs> you know, he didn't go for it. And then Regis goes, so what, what was the answer you would have given to that? And so the answer, let's see if that was right. And, uh, and, he, and then, of course, you know, the, it'll, it'll flash orange or green depending on whether it was right. And the crowd, if he, if he got the wrong answer, we go, oh, wow, he made the right choice, you know. But it's easy to uh, be the person on the other side of the screen going, I think I know what the right answer is for them, or I think I know what they should do. But what we really need to with this text, we really need to look inside of ourselves. And in fact, if you look at the earlier part of uh, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, hey, you know, you need to think about maybe not judging everybody else and just make sure that you're right. So today, that's what I want to do. I don't want to throw this text at us or at you or anybody else and say, you know, you need to, you need to get it right. You need to make sure you, you know where you're going. You do. But I think this is for each of us to answer for ourselves. And what bigger stakes? You know, we're not sitting in the hot seat. Uh, we're not uh, answering what door do we want to take. We're simply answering the question of do we know God or do we not? And what are the implications of that? Will we spend eternity in heaven with God forever or in hell separated from him? Uh, When we were on the way to Kentucky to go to the Ark Encounter, there's this big billboard, I think. um, I didn't know where it was, but Greg reminded me on uh, I-71 heading down there. And there are these big black and white signs. The first one says, if you died today, where would you go? And I was like, that's like the most important question that anybody could ever ask. And then the next billboard said, hell is real. Now, we live in a culture that would like to believe that these things don't exist, that there's not a spiritual realm that takes place after life. You just live, and then that's it. Or you live, and everybody goes to heaven. And that would be it's a nice idea, certainly. But when we have the truth right in front of us, when we have these, the ability to read God's Word, and Jesus himself says to us, here's how you know. So you ready? Nobody's anxious, right? <laughs> Let's get into it, okay? So the first fill in the blank is treating others well. Treating others well. <clears throat> and so as I was reading this text, there's the, these objective evidences as you look throughout this, this uh, end of the Sermon of the Mount. And um, Jesus presents some ideas, and they're just simple ones here. There's this question of, do we exhibit the characteristic traits of a believer? As we know and follow God, are we actually doing things that fall in line with that. Now, you might have seen this scene before. A kid falls, they're learning how to skate or buy, you know, get on their bike, whatever, and then the kid reaches down to help them up, and they do. And so, starting our section with this today, it says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And so, Jesus really sums up a large majority of the Old Testament in, in this idea that, hey, 
you're still concerned about doing things the right way or about honoring God, start with this. If you know God, there's going to be something that you're going to be doing on a regular basis, and it's treating others well, right? It's thinking about, how would I want to be treated? And then from there, he, he goes into the doorways or the gateways or these pathways. And so you can translate this a couple of different ways, but for our sake today, we're talking about this narrow door. It's a narrow path that leads to it. So in verse 13, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. Ooh, that sounds like good news. Well, it's good news for some of us, and, and we have to read this in order to understand where we stand, like who we are. Do we know God? Do we not? So this wide way, it's easy to get on, it's open. It reminds me of growing up in Dallas-Fort Worth. There are you know, big six, seven, eight-lane highways, and they're pretty easy to get on. You know, there's on-ramps at every you know, little neighborhood, and it's different than here. You know, it's like you get on the two-lane throughway, and you have to get on at a certain point, or, or else you'll be just taking the back roads for a ways until you can finally get onto it. So, but growing up there, it was easy to get on. Now, you would not want to be on it between the hours of like... 3 and 7 p.m. People are like, you know, did you have rush hour in Dallas-Fort Worth? Yeah, we had like rush hours. It was just like, it was endless. You know, you get on, you would never be able to get off. The way was easy to get on, but at times it was really hard to get off, right? Easy steps. And, but for us here in Western New York, what do we have? We have the three-way. It's a cost, right? <laughs> you got to pay to get on. Sometimes it's hard to get on. And when you do, it's hard to get off. Well, in the same way, when we read this, it's, Jesus says here, enter by the narrow Gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter by it are many. So these words here are very specific. And Jesus, Jesus doesn't just throw around his words. Um, he, he knows what he's saying here. So he uses the word for narrow, stenos in the Greek, narrow or straight. It's only used three times in the New Testament. It's where we get our word for stenographer or stencil. And, and it, it illustrates this idea that it's, it's hard. It's hard to... to Follow that pathway of knowing Jesus, and we will make mistakes along the way, uh, but, but we have to be really diligent about making sure we're focused and staying on that path. Well, there's another path that he mentions here. So he says, get on the narrow, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide. Uh, what does that mean? Well, this uh, word in the Greek, patea, it means a broad way or street. So it's easy to get on. Uh, in fact, many people would say, uh, well, how do you get on that road? Well, you actually don't have to do anything. Um, you can live your life in this world, maybe even doing some good things and think to yourself, well, God must owe me something. But this way here, this wide path, it includes a lot of people. And in fact, all you have to do is just go with the flow. Cultures and times change and and whether or not they match up with God and his word, if you simply just go with the flow, then you'll stay on that path. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded even this, this last couple of weeks as I've um, been able to take some time off, which I've been thankful for, I, I take some time um, away from study just to be observant of what's going on, like what's going on around me. You know, we, we may go out a little bit more, we may travel, and so we see some things. I just try to take note of those, those, those things around me. And it, it's so easy, isn't it, just to kind of go with the flow of culture, to say even in, in mainstream Christianity, there's a branch that would say, <clears throat> you know what? Hell's not a nice idea. Like it just, it kind of, I don't like thinking about it. So, you know, if we, if we could just get rid of that, the fact that there are those who would choose not to put their faith and trust in Jesus, and at the end of their life, they would be separated from God forever. I don't like to think about it like, so let's just get rid of it. And there's actually a branch of Christianity of people who would say, that, that, we don't like that. We're going to get rid of that, right? And to go with the flow, how destructive can that be? Well, you have to pretty much go, okay. I'm going to have to just rip out a bunch of my Bible because if I do that, then I can believe that. 
Or you may think, well, how, what are the ways we have seen that in modern culture? I was out uh, the last couple of weeks, and uh, I went into a store, and it wasn't Halloween, and I'm really not making fun, okay? I'm really not, so just hear me saying this. And somebody was dressed up as an animal. And I thought to myself for a moment, like, oh, there's like some sort of, you know, costume party, or there's something going on, regular work attire, dressed up like an animal, like painted up and everything. And I'm going like... I think we're so confused, aren't we? Like we're lost as a culture. In the same week, go to another department store and um, walk in, and there's clearly someone who is a man who's dressed up as a woman, and and who is doing something else, you know, helping, you know, helping people shop, do whatever. And I and I go like, how far have we departed that we just accept like all these cultural nuances and changes where we go. You know, God made you a man. It's not really important that that you hold fast to that. Uh, God made you a woman. It's not really important that you hold fast to that either. Uh, Or we can simply be anything that we want. You don't even have to be a human being. You don't have to be a man or woman. You can be an animal. And while these things seem like they're like, oh, that's just like in the culture. That's just ideas. It's like these things are really going on. And what do we have to do as a culture, as a people, to accept these things? Just go with the flow. Just accept whatever's going on. It doesn't matter. It's a confusing world, isn't it? I'm glad we have clarity in God's word. I'm glad he gives us direction because this way, this um, hodos in the Greek, um, it's this course of conduct, like the way that we live our lives because some people will say, uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a Christian, you know. I go to church. I'm there at Easter, right? And if you come on Easter, I'm glad you're here, okay? Um, but, but, but it's more than that, right? Like to, to be together, to have fellowship, to have community, to be challenged, right? That's something that we should be doing on a regular basis. But this way that we live is going to matter. And it's going to show the rest of the world. Like, are we just cultural Christians? Do we say that we belong to something that we really don't, we really don't know, and God really doesn't know us? There's some difficult implications of this, if that's the case. So there's this word here for um, easy. What is this way? This wide way? It's like the big lanes in, in Dallas-Fort Worth. You can get on them. You can go for miles and miles. You can get off anytime you want, maybe. Or you might get stuck. This wide path. What is it? It's easy. It's easy, right? This eurukaros uh, in, the, in the Greek. It just means spacious or it's broad. It's, this word is actually only used one time in the Greek New Testament. And it's important when you read a word like this, you go, okay, if it's only used one time, it's significant, but it's used by Jesus here to highlight that, like, you can just go with the flow. You can get on that wide highway, that wide path. You never have to get off. You never really have to struggle. You never have to have to come into any sort of real tension or clash with culture or society or reality. When it comes to what the Bible says, just keep going with the flow. It's easy. But where does it lead? Well, it says here, it leads to destruction. Not to be confused with anything positive, this leads to destruction, this wide way. It's the word apalia in the um, Greek. It's where we get our word for apocalypse. Um, destruction, utter destruction in hell. And, I, and uh, the, the word used in the Greek, it's not like we use a word in English and it just means a bunch of things. We don't, we don't know what it means. If you look at these words in the Greek, they mean very specific things. And Jesus uses this word for a reason. In fact, in fact you'll find this um, in Philippians 3.19 um, this word is used, it says, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. As Paul was talking to a church about those who were outside of the church, he's saying, these people need to know God, 
but here's what it's going to look like to not follow God. And he says their end is destruction. If you're going to follow your own way, if you're going to go with the flow, if you're just going to do your own thing, not care what God has to say, then it leads to destruction. What does this specifically look like? Well, he says their God is their belly. And that was this idea that, that encompassed just everything that is a human appetite, desire, whatever that might be, that is how they live their life. So I want this now. I want to um, eat this now. I want to have this relationship with this person now. I want to do this thing now because it will bring me momentary gratification. And that's how these people live. Their, their God is their belly and their glory is their shame. So they take the things that are in opposition to God and his word, that are not holy, that are not right. And we talked about that today. Bryce did. And, and, and what do they do with it? They go, these really terrible things that are in opposition to God, they are our glory. They're great. Do you see the things that we're doing? They're really awesome. They're put on a showcase for the world. Oh, do you see what we're doing over here? Yeah, like we're changing uh, gender. Yeah, we're pretending we're something we're not. You don't want to be a human being? That's okay. And the world celebrates it. And we're like, why? Were we confused as to why the world is so lost? And culturally, like when we read this, I love it too, because people say the Bible's out of touch. And then you read this and they're going, they glory in their shame. And that's all we've been doing as a society lately, it seems like. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things, nothing concerned about the things of God. In fact, when they get brought up, hey, you, you can't say that. That's a violation of everything I, I stand for. We can have free speech, but you can't because it hurts my feelings, right? Well, the truth does a lot of the times. And that's not what Jesus was concerned about because he loved the world and he desired that all people would be saved. And so he's not pulling the punches here, right? And I know it's hard to read this too because you know, we're all thinking of somebody, right? We're all praying for somebody. We're all going like, God, we really want this individual as we think about ourselves as well to know God. Well, what doorway do we need to take? Well, in verse 14, it says, For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Oh, man, more, more good news, right? So we got this wide way that's really easy, easily accessible. You can get on it. Don't worry about it. Just go with the flow, and you'll get on it. <clears throat> and then we get to verse 14 here. It says, For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Well, we've already looked at way and narrow, what that is, the word for, like we get for stencil or stenos. It's like just uh, really focused. It's narrow. You can't just go with the flow to be on it or get on it. What is it? It's hard. This word in the Greek is thlebo. It means the right or straight path, but it also refers to being pressed on, like on a journey. And this word's also used in ancient texts for like when somebody's pressing the grapes. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. They used to like use their feet, you know, like they're stepping on it. Uh, like there was like a I Love Lucy about that one time. She's like stepping on the grapes. And so that, which, yeah, you don't have clean feet if you're going to do that, by the way. Don't, don't do that if you don't. They're like pressing the grapes on it. And it's like, and Jesus knows that, right? He knows the times. He knows the culture. It's an agricultural culture also. We lose sight of that. But when he's saying this, they all would have heard that and gone like, oh, wow. Are you, wait, Jesus, you're saying like, Living a life, following you, uh, being obedient to your word, knowing you deeply is going to be like us getting put in one of those troughs and just getting stepped on until all the juice comes out, right? What does it produce? Well, it ends up producing something, right? A wine, something fine to be used for greater purposes, and he doesn't say it's going to be easy, right? That'd be easy. Most people, um, most slogans of people who want you to join their campaign, it's going to be easy for you. You're going to get everything you want. In fact, I think I've heard that message before, even in churches. 
It'll be easy, you know. <laughs> Following Jesus, you will never have any heartache. Um, he wants you to always be happy. He always wants you to never experience difficulty. He wants you to have money in the bank and nobody to ever be sick. Now, have you heard that before? I've certainly heard it, right? But that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying it'll be hard. It'll be like your life being pressed on constantly. Something better might be produced. It'll be hard. And what does it lead to? Well, um, I, I love this word too for hard here. As I was um, reading the quiet time this morning, so we were uh, working through First uh, Thessalonians three four. The same word is used in the text today. So I'll read that just that verse. It says, "For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know." So even those who are in the early church who are doing ministry in life, who started the early church and the missionaries going around, Paul, he, he never says like, this is going to be easy. This is, you know, is going to be super light. Like, you know, you just go with the flow of whatever's going on in the culture and, um, and you'll be great. Like, you know, take what we said, the Bible, but you can believe anything else also. Uh, no, he says, we're going to suffer for this sake. We're going to suffer so that other people might be drawn close to God. And that's going to be in this, in this hard pressing that as our life, like the grapes in the little trough get pressed on, people are looking at you, right? And they're looking to figure out, like, are you just like the rest of the world? <laughs> are you just like everybody else? Or, or are you like somebody who, when they get pressed on, something good, something usable comes out? And it's something that shows that we really belong to God. So what do we get with this? Well, Although it starts with understanding we need to treat other people well, we understand this path and it means something to us that a hard life following Jesus is going to bring something else. It's going to bring life. It's that word in the Greek. If you've been here any amount of time, you know the word in the Greek is the word zoe, and it means eternal life. So there's no confusion here. And we don't, I know some people get in this and he said, well, very few people are going to get in. Like, what does that mean for us? It means what the Bible says also is work out your own faith fear and trembling, your own salvation. Like, do you know God? Ultimately, I, can't, I, can't, I can look at your life and go like, here's some objective evidence. I think that you probably do, but I can't answer that question for you for sure. That's between you and God. <laughs> so, so we've got to get that figured out. And Matthew Henry, um, in his commentary, puts it this way. He says, the account that is given of the bad way of sin and the good way of holiness, there are but two ways, right and wrong, good and evil, the way of heaven and the way of hell. In, in the one of which we are all of us walking. No middle place hereafter, no middle way now. The distinction of the children of men into saints and sinners, godly and ungodly, will swallow up all eternity. So we need to figure this out, don't we? Like what path are we on? What, what doorway, what gate are we headed to? Are we headed to this narrow door? Or are we even right now on the wide one? And we're like, I just don't know. I, I'm not sure. Well, um, God has some more evidences for us, and I want to go through these. So here's the next one. Uh, so we start with that, and then we go to bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. So my guess is you've probably seen this before. Maybe you have some bad fruit in your pantry right now that is spoiling other fruit that is beside it. Um, but Jesus said something about this. We always need to be on the lookout, first of all. So in verse 14, or verse 15, it says, Beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So we need to be aware. We need to be looking out. We need to be concerned about the things that actually matter because even at the, in the church at times, there are those who are here, but they don't really know God, right? Now, I, I love our group, our church family. I don't see any wolves in the midst right now. I'm not looking intently, though. And, but we always have to ask this question. Like, if Jesus says it, then we, 
we need to be reminded that it's important. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous walls. Like, I just get concerned sometimes, and, and, and I'll just share with you a little bit of my experience growing up in the church. Um, Rod did that the last couple of weeks, and it was really life-giving for me as I listened to that, um, because I think we all experience church in different ways. And for me, growing up in the church, a positive experience, I start on staff at churches, see things a little bit differently, uh, and being a part of business meetings and all those kind of things where you, you're sitting in a room... Rod Whitney, he talked about it, uh, maybe I think it was last week, and you're like a young believer, and you're really excited about doing things for God, and then people start arguing about the color of the carpet, and of the wall, and coloring, and calling people names, and I remember what he said last week, it just really stuck with me, he said, and there's people going to hell, and you're arguing about things that don't matter, Right? Is it not more important to us, the things of God that he lays out, that Jesus makes perfectly clear? He's not like, you know, um, all roads lead to heaven. Jesus never said that. In fact, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And and what? Nobody gets to heaven. Nobody gets to the Father except through me or except by me. But we, we get sidetracked, don't we? And there are those who are so concerned about other things that just don't matter. Why are we here? I mean, what's the point, right? I love that he, he challenged us last week. I know he did me. And Chrysostom, who is another church father, said this about verses 15 and 16. It does not seem to me that the false prophets here refers to heretics, but rather to persons who live morally corrupt lives while wearing a mask of virtue. And what's the point in that, that kind of existence? What's the point in that kind of life? They would say you believe one thing or you're a, you belong to something like the church or to God, but then really not experience any of the life that comes with that. Like, I, I know I'd be like, why, do I, why would I come to church if I don't know God personally, if I'm not growing daily? And that's what the quiet time was about today too. Like, are we being sanctified is the question. Are we being continually grown into the image of God through his son, Jesus Christ? If not, why are we here? You know, it's like, why, why, are we, why are we doing this? Um, and Jesus doesn't just say, just do whatever you want. Just go with the easy path. Go with the wide path. It'll lead to good things. No, he says it leads to destruction. But there's a way that leads to life. And, and what are some signs of that? What is this bearing fruit that he talks about? Well, he says in verse 16, you will rec- recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Now, uh, you know, he, here it's different, right? Uh, we, uh, in Texas, you tried to grow a fruit tree. I know because my grandparents, they lived out in the uh, uh, central Texas, and they had the, these like, you know, apples and pears and different things, but there was different. It's like it didn't rain very much in the summer, and you were just like constantly watering things. And then after you planted it, you would hope to like maybe after seven, eight, nine, ten years, you get this little tiny fruit that would come off of it. And, and you were happy with just a few little fruits that came off of this tree. Um, but, you know, if you're from here, then you're like, that's sad, right? We, we do things a little differently, right? Things grow really well, but, but you know, you don't, get a, you don't get a really nice fruit from a tree that you grew in Texas, like that. You don't, then that's because we had to ship everything there. But here, you find a lot of that, like plentiful things, right? All the fields of harvest and um, all the wonderful things that we can do here. But you don't go there to get the good fruit, right? You go somewhere else. You go to California. You go to Western New York to find those things. 
And so Paul, he's, he's got a list here too, and I always want to remind us too, because sometimes we get discouraged and we're like, I don't know, am I on the right path? It's been a rough week, or it's been a rough month, or it's been a rough year. But there's some evidences of our life that we can look to. Uh, Paul says this to the church in Galatia in chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, many of us probably know it, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, we may say, well, pastor, my life doesn't always look like that. Mine either, <laughs> right? But there should be this way of, of living, this way of operating, that when we see this list, we go, you know what? My life looks far more like that than the way of the world. Like, am I kind? Am I peaceful? Am I patient with people? Am I self-controlled? Some objective evidences. And when God points to you, when Jesus points to these fruits, he's not just leaving us hanging he wants us to recognize what this means for us. And he elaborates. So he goes to verse 19. And he says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So, so fruits do this interesting thing as well. If you've ever seen it, like, you know, if you have, if you have like strawberries and you've got the one that has like the bad spot, if you don't take it out, all of the strawberries around that strawberry within a day or two are going to be bad, right? They're going to get all soft. They're going to get all nasty. So if you know anything about plants about fruits, they let, uh, they let out this uh, ripening agent that if they're next to each other, the one will basically destroy the other one. And so keeping that in mind, we, we, have, to, uh, we have to wonder, how are we living our lives? Um, are we bearing fruit? Are we, because um, that's not just enough. Are we gathering with a group of people who are also bearing fruit? Because it's difficult, right? It's not that God doesn't want us to be in places where there's some bad apples, or there's those who don't know God. He wants us to be in those spaces too. But where does our main influence come from? God, his word, and those who know him. And I'll close with this. So we've got treating others well. It's where we should start. And then um, Jesus makes it really clear, like you're either on one path or the other. You can't, like, you can't pretend to be nice or to pretend to have all these attributes of being a godly person uh, and then not really know God or wear this mask like you're unsure. Uh, and then we need to be bearing fruit on a regular basis. So that's uh, all the things that come from a life that honors God, being here in this place, going out, actually doing something with that, picking and choosing who we are spending all of our time with because that will influence us. And then I'll close with this last one, knowing the truth. Some people say the truth is uh, hard to know. It's maybe even unknowable. That's certainly a, a way of philosophy that's been around for a long time. Or maybe you just live this life and then you're gone and there's nothingness that's called nihilism. Um, if we think about this idea of, uh, of all roads lead to heaven, um, people have said that for a variety of years in academia that's known as universalism. You can believe whatever you want and you'll somehow get to heaven. Well, it's certainly a nice idea, but it doesn't really follow um, logically. It doesn't really follow historically, and it doesn't follow what we know about God's inspired word. So, knowing the truth, um, you're either in or you're out. I don't like to think about it like a, like a club or like Jesus is the bouncer, and he's just going to toss people out who, you know, who don't belong to him. But the truth is that he is the only right judge. He's the one that died for our sins and then was raised from the dead. So it says in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So, so what does this look like? If we know the truth, there's actually going to be this outflowing of our lives. And, and I love that because I've, I've seen that in so many of your lives um, in the room. Um, as, I, as I watch, not judging, just going, 
I see these signs. I see these objective evidences of us who know God, who follow him and are faithful. It's not just enough to say that you do know God. You actually have to do something with it. Now, the important part here is if we know God and we do righteous deeds or acts, are those the things that save us? No, but they're this outflowing of our heart. You know, it's like if you love somebody, it's like I love my wife. So uh, do I show that to her on a regular basis? Yeah, as much as I possibly can. A special day comes around, something comes up, and I'm going to be getting flowers, I'm going to be getting chocolates, I'm going to be doing something, I'm going to be trying to take her out between all the little people and the sicknesses and things, right? I'm going to be doing my best in the season that we're in to show that I love her. Now, if she never saw that, she'd be like, do you love me? That'd be a question in her mind, right? Well, in the same way, God's looking at us and he's like, do you know me? Do you love me? If you do, there's going to be these objective evidences of your life, and it proves that we belong to him. Another church father, Surreal of Alexandria, he said this, There may be some who in the beginning believe rightly and uh, labored in virtue, uh, and later, yet they are found turning aside to evil, to self-assertive deception and desire. He ranks them as equivalent to those who were never known by him at all. Now, church, for us, the good news is that we're not the judge. We don't get to decide who knows God, who doesn't. When each of us stand before God, we'll be asked to give an account. If you look at the book of Hebrews, it says that we, we have one life to live. It's like the, the phrase maybe you've heard, you only live once, right? We have one life to live. And then comes the judgment, and we stand before God. Nobody else judging us, not our friends, not our family, nobody else. Just a God, a holy God, who can judge rightly and who can ask this question, did you ever know me? Did you ever really know me? And verse 22 says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? There will be this group of people, even as those who were listening to the Sermon on the Mount, who will go like, well, I'm the CEO of a, of a nonprofit, and I, I do so many good things. I mean, we help people with this, and we, we take care of these things, and we, and we meet these needs. And on the day, that day, you won't be able to stand before God and say, you know what? Here's all the good stuff that I did. Do I get in? He'll say, do you know me? Did you know me? Did you walk in fellowship with me? Then verse 23, we'll close it here. And then, I, <clears throat> and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, I'm ending with this for a reason. I think there's some hope in the reverse of this word used here. He says, and then, well, I, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I know this produces a lot of anxiety for us, and maybe at times that's good just for us to like examine ourselves and go, do I, do I really know God? Was there a time in my life where I put my faith and trust in him? Uh, we got to do this really amazing event um, over at the school, the UNO tournament. Uh, David and Rachel uh, headed up uh, along with the school's club, and David got to share the gospel with these kids. And you're like seeing kids like respond, raise their hands, and like, I've never made that decision. I need to make that decision. And this is what distinguishes us. It was just cool to see from either we know God or we don't. Now, maybe there was never a situation in your life where like, I know that specific point where I said, I believe what God has done for me. But over time, you've realized, you know, I really do understand. I've admitted that I'm a sinner. I, I can't do this on my own. I believe that, that God is who he said he was, and he died on the cross for my sins. And I've confessed with my mouth that he's the Lord of my life. The Bible tells us that if we do that, we'll be saved. 
but there's the rest of the world, there's the rest of culture, there's this wide path of people who are, who are saying, I can, I can do whatever I want, I can go with the flow, and it works out. Well, the problem with that, that even in that realm of thinking, if you ask people that question, like who say, well, I don't know if I know God, but I've done a lot of good things. Hebrews 10, 11 says this, and it uses the same word for never here uh, in this text. It says, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Like, why would we think we could do it? Like the rest of the world is going like, I, I hope I'm good enough. I hope the scale gets tipped in my favor by the time my day comes. How stressful, how, how anxious. We don't have to live a life like that, right? We obviously serve God and we want, we want to be faithful to him, but we, we don't have to live a life that wonders, do I know God? Am I close to him? There should be all these objective evidences and simply if we believe. And then God says here, I will say to them, I never knew you. That's a sad text, but I think we can take it as an encouragement for us who know God and a motivation. It's like what Rod said last week. I was like, man, it's so good. There's people that are going to hell. And we don't like thinking about that. We're like, oh, I don't even like saying it because it's like mean and it's like, it's hurtful. Our, our world, our culture doesn't like that. But that's the truth. And Jesus said, hey, you've only got a certain amount of time, so what are you going to do with it? Because on that day, he'll say to some, I never knew you. It's a word that's used throughout the New Testament. Uh, the word geniko in the Greek, it's used for deeply knowing in the Bible, for how God knows us, how we know him. And the other, other, other way it's used is for a husband and wife, that relationship and how they know each other deeply and intimately. And God says, even more than that, you can know that you have a relationship with me. And we just talked about it. Paul said to the church in Corinth, he used the same word for knowing, but he used it in the opposite way. He said in 1 Corinthians 8, 3, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Jesus isn't going to say on that day, when you stand before him, I never knew you. You need to leave. He'll say, if you loved God, then you were known by God. Good news is, it's a lot simpler than we think. We don't have to maybe live under that weight of anxiety, of wondering, like, I'm not sure for believers in the room. And for those who don't know God and you're just lost and you're like, man, I, I want to know what that's like, we share that in this message today. If you want to know for sure, all you have to do is believe in what Jesus has done for you on the cross in his death, burial, and resurrection. It'll be a difficult day. It'll be a really bad day for some. It'll be a good day for us as believers who follow God And we leave that all up to him. He says, don't worry about judging the world. I'll take care of that on the last day for everyone. So what do we do in the meantime? We live like we're saved, right? We we have these objective evidences. We treat others well. We bear fruit. And we know the truth, don't we? Nobody should walk out of this place going, I don't know. I'm not sure where I stand when it comes to my relationship with God. That's my hope for you today. Uh, maybe you are I'm here in person and, and you're like, I just need to talk to somebody about that. I'll be here afterwards. Uh, maybe you're listening online and you're like, I have a lot of questions. I don't know if I have the answers yet. And that's okay. Uh, we welcome more questions and hopefully we have the answers for you. Uh, feel free to reach out to us online. I'd be glad to talk to you. Okay, um, what I'd like to do now is um, pray for us and then we'll close, okay? Uh, Father, we uh, come before you today, and we thank you for your word, um, how it is the, uh, the measurement for everything that we do in life as believers. God, we can't live a life like this uh, game show culture that just says, I'll take behind 
and what's behind door number one or door number two. It's way more important than that, where we will uh, sit for eternity. Do we know you, God? Do we not? Um, God, your word tells us, those who know you love you. Uh, I pray that that real heart affection that we have in our lives would come forth in the way that we live, um, that our actions, that our fruit would be very, very clear. God, um, for those who don't know you, those who are not bearing any fruit, um, that wood, that tree that's going to get cut down and thrown to the fire, to be in hell, separated from you forever. God, that's not what we want. We know that's not your heart either. You desire for all people to be saved. We pray that we would live with not an anxiety, but an anxiousness to see those around us come to know you. Um, God, it's not about us. It's about you. Uh, we pray that um, there be those who would come to know you um, through the motivation of our lives to share what we know, the truth. Um, let us not be scared by culture that says to share about heaven and hell is wrong or evil. The truth is always loving, like you are. Thank you, God, that you love us. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Uh, love you, church. I hope you have a wonderful day. Um, kind of interesting coming back into western New York. We were driving back from Kentucky. 